if you had to encapsulate our podcast in one word, would it not be professionalism? <laughs> Hello and welcome to The Feminist Present, the podcast where we use the gift of feminism to figure out what's going on right now. I'm Adrian Dobb. I'm Laura Good. I don't even know what year it is. What? Where are we, Adrian? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> w- welcome to having dug ourselves out of uh, something hibernation. And- All sorts of hibernations. Yeah, yeah I... <laughs> I was like setting up my equipment prior to sitting down to this recording was like, how would I summarize the moment? I have no idea. The moment is like soup. That's how I would summarize the moment. Yeah. In terms of what's going on right now, all I can say is, huh? (laughs) That's that's pretty much what's going on right now. I've ever seen like a cartoon bubble, you know, protrude from your mouth. Huh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like that. You could make a catchphrase out of that. I, I should. I think that that is my my catchphrase. Well, maybe we should let folks in on the fact that this is also a guestless episode. So you know, a guestless spectacular. Guestless spectacular. We're winging it, but spectacularly so. We are we are winging at a spectacular level. No guests, all vibes. <laughs> Uh, it is 2023, baby. Yeah, it is June 27th, 2023, where we are recording. We are live in San Francisco. We are barely alive in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Did you have a nice Pride weekend? I did. I didn't go out very much. I, I live in the Castro, and so I, I didn't either. Well, as do you now. Uh, yeah. And it was very noisy and very fun, and I walked around a little bit. But nothing really grabbed me, and I ended up... And I walked by, you know, Dolores Park for for some of the festivities, but I, I didn't go march in the big parade. Uh, the love song of the elder queer. Yeah, here we are. <laughs> That's right. Mine was I about... grow old, I grow old. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, I've missed you. Um, yes, mine was about the same. I was with my kids and we like met up with our queer moms and our queer friends, but like at parks having popsicles, you know, not at bars yeah, having yeah. jello shots or other penis popsicles. You know, everybody loves those at Pride. It's true. Anyway, but it seems like it mostly went off without like a huge event in San Francisco. You know, the, like there were no. Yeah. This is America, no so I'm glad I haven't heard about any shootings yet. You know, good to know. Yeah, there was there was, there was no violence. The people who you know wish us dead online, I guess, had other things going on. Yeah. Um. So that's that's always good. That's, that's always what this good. is. That's what this is. This is our like Pride Month roundout, like our catch episode on like how has Pride Month in June 2023 gone? Mixed, yeah. you know, we'll go with mixed. Yeah. And it's like the famous essay at the end of summer. How was your summer? We we, we wrote it on a napkin yesterday. <laughs> my reflections my pride month your your pride month well so you know how like all the streaming services you know have to theme every month towards like you know pride month or aapi history month or like whatever which like is generally something i support but the content can be really mixed in terms of what any like network can sort of show for itself in terms of what content it even has for whatever category so i kind of took a stroll through like queer cinema tragedy this june and happened to watch adrian i had never seen philadelphia i had never seen the film philadelphia yeah which is so sad but was also like interesting and i'm glad i watched it and i had never seen 
I think I had seen excerpts from it, but I had never seen the full documentary, The Times of Harvey Milk, and like that surfaced in scre- in stream screaming in screaming and streaming this month. Yeah, that 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 one's a good one. Yeah, I um, Philadelphia. It's been a while for me too. I have to say. Yeah, I realized in the sort of archival research that was surfaced through The Times of Harvey Milk that the house that Dan White owned and shot himself in is like two blocks from the house where my kids have grown up <laughs> in San Francisco. I drove right by it. I, I'm not not totally shocked. No, because, uh, I always sort of placed it in that in that general area. Yeah, it is. Yeah, in the deep south, as it were, <laughs> of San Francisco. Of San Francisco, the outer boroughs of San Francisco, exactly. Mm. So yeah, have you watched anything good on uh, you know Pride Month streaming or anything else lately? I, I haven't been watching much. I I just got back from six weeks of. I was gonna say, why travel. not? What have you been yeah. doing? Uh, so yeah. I am I, um, as longtime listeners will remember, I made the mistake of writing a book about cancel culture and how it wasn't real and the bravest man in hollywood Adrian. well yeah uh, almost foolhardy and uh, so i <laughs> went on tour with this book in germany for six weeks yeah uh, too often entertaining often informative but just as often predictable results uh and so i haven't had that much time to catch up on many things but um i guess i still have two i have two more i have two more days of Pride Month left to like just cram it all in. Absolutely. You're the one who really needs to catch up on queer history, doctor. Um, were there any memorable moments from the Q&As you did on that German book tour? You'd have to translate them into English for our audience, but you know. Well, memorable, memorable in the sense that some moments kind of kept replaying every single time. That was kind of fascinating, which I mean. Tell me more. Honestly, I've, well, I wasn't shocked by it, right? There's something kind of wrote about the way these things are talked about and it was very clear that a lot of people had not had this narrative challenged in any substantial way. And so these things being cancel culture, like the narrative of cancel culture being like, you know, being like, yeah, cancel culture, left wing cancel culture yeah. is out of control. And here is a story from Smith college that proves it. Right. <laughs> Always like, Smith. Turns out people are like really, or, or whatever, Oberlin or, or green, green mountain or whatever, or, you know, uh, or Stanford. Oh yeah. Stanford anecdotes too. People, it turns out, are really attached to those. And so th- that was one of the fascinating things to watch people kind of defend these darlings when someone comes in and is like, ah, it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. You know, like it's nice, I guess, to have a, have a pretty firm sense of what these incidents mean. Not everyone took well to me saying, you know, I think something actually slightly different might be going on here. But that was sort of striking to me, but it, not very shocking in the sense that that's kind of what my book was about. But the Q&A was usually pretty fun. I really had some wonderful hosts, really, really great discussions, especially on the radio. My, my book ends up being kind of meaner to uh, newspapers and to radio. And so I think radio people really like me. <laughs> so I had some really nice, uh, really nice uh, discussions on radio. To be fair, they didn't go as much in on these kind of like cancel culture is coming for everybody stories, yeah. you know? So like, I feel like I wasn't pulling any punches, but they seemed really pleased with, you know, what I had to say about them. And so I had some very lovely, lovely conversations. Spent a lot of time in studios talking into mics. Not that it really tided me over until the next time talking to this particular mic with you, but uh, still, you know, you'll, you'll take what you get. Adrian, how would you summarize the most popular misconceptions about cancel culture that you're encountering in these Q&As? And like, how do you refute them if you have to boil it down into like a radio-friendly soundbite? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is just that these anecdotes are not getting that much more frequent, that they are not that frequent, and that most, if not all, statistics that seem to prove otherwise kind of do this very tricky thing where they use any kind of people who have gotten yeah. in trouble 
from any political angle or no political angle whatsoever, right? Like some people have gotten me chewed, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of pump up the numbers. And I think that's something that that people, even on the left, who may say that this is not a big deal. I mean, I agree that like, of course, like some of these events, some of these incidents are, are pretty bad and really people yeah. should be ashamed of themselves. But that's a different question from, is this a, a, a huge problem? But I think that the people on the left who think that, well, no, on campuses, this has become more frequent. And it's really, really hard to, to show that. It's, you know, maybe by like one or two or three or four incidents a year at 6,000 colleges with 1.5 million people working there, really hard to kind of say that that's a robust statistical basis. But I think that it, to me, it was shocking. I thought we were dealing with something that existed, but was exaggerated. But the more I looked into it, partly with the help from, you know, friend of the pod, Michael Hobbs, you know, I realized like, wow, the, the evidentiary basis here is really, really rather thin. That's so interesting. I mean, obviously, that's really well spoken on your part. What's surprising me right now is how much the refutation you're describing or like the complicating of the image that you're describing. It reminds me so much of how the mainstream media is reporting on San Francisco right now. Oh, yeah. You know, like the, the reporting is nonstop. It's worse than it's ever been. It's growing out of control. It's a zombie apocalypse. It's a doom loop. And like, I really loved, I was just looking it up, the piece, the character assassination for, of San Francisco in fairness and accuracy in reporting, fair.org, which like actually substantiated with data no, there's actually seven cities in America that have like greater homelessness yeah. numbers than San Francisco, that have greater addiction numbers, that have greater crime numbers than San Francisco. But the media narrative has become its own animal and like spun out of control in much the same like over magnified way you just described. Yeah. And I mean, like, that's not to say that there aren't huge problems in San Francisco, but it is of to course. say that anytime you point this out, anytime you say that San Francisco is really not sui generis here, it's not unusual at all, um, you know, people kind of, stomp on you because they're like you know they, they've grown very attached to this idea it's also the question i get asked in germany all the time is it true that san francisco is as bad i'm like what do you mean like exactly and and then you know people yeah. sort of say like oh well it's a downfall of san francisco it's like you and i recall that this was just as bad during the tech boom and in some way it was worse i've now lived through two different boom bus cycles yeah. in san francisco the first yeah. dot com and the second dot com you know like yeah. yes it's a resilient city, and uh, I agree with what everything you just said. And there's this one paragraph from that fair.org article, the character assassination of San Francisco, that I've just been thinking about for weeks and have to read. Uh, American Gomorrah is the header of this of this paragraph. In a country where a state like Texas has seen six mass shootings a year, why is San Francisco the object of such obsession? The San Francisco Bay Area, in the imagination of the American right, is the closest thing America has to Sodom and Gomorrah. San Francisco is identified as the epicenter of gay liberation, the home of the hippies, vegan restaurants, and streets where Cantonese and Spanish are heard just as much as English. Berkeley, just across the bay, was a primary site of 1960s student radicalism and counterculture, and the flagship UC campus continues to be a dreaded symbol of state-funded academic wokeness. It goes on, but at the, that comparison to, like, this is America's Gomorrah has really stuck with me, because I think that's a huge part of why these media, media narratives about zombie apocalypse and doom loop are so yeah, yeah. sticky are so well, but also because you know our rich appear to have the ear of some very very you know of just about everybody right like 
there is a guy who is obsessed with crime and homelessness in San Francisco who happens to own Twitter. Um, and so you're going to hear about it. I, I heard something about a cage match. Right. Maybe? I mean, like, so oh like, I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, we, we, the places where we get most of our news are run by people who right. are annoyed when they have to step over someone who's passed out on the, on the sidewalk. Like, that's, yeah, that's going to be pretty visible. And inciting their own violent loops with cage matches, apparently. That's the kind of violence that, that I can get behind. I'm, I'm entirely <laughs> nonviolent, except when. There's a billionaire cage match. One of those assholes shatters the other's jaw. I'm like, I, I will be there with my popcorn. It's already reminding me of Ron DeSantis's, you know, campaign announcement. <laughs> Which I got to listen to live. Um, yes. Tell the listeners about your adventure there. I was asked to report on the substance of it. And I, I really couldn't because there was no substance to it other than that it was the worst Zoom call ever recorded. <laughs> Um, you know, I can't imagine what our producer Megan would have thought if she was in charge of this. Megan would have been horrified. Yeah, she would have edited everything out. Didn't you tell me you had to record this like reaction shot of yours from like a train as you were trying to report on this? No, no, I was listening to it. I didn't have my headphones. At my, I, I see. It was, I was on a late night train going from Dresden, Germany to Berlin. And I was like, well, I don't have my headphones on me. And this thing is starting. My train was slightly delayed. So I listened to it loud. Then like I saw this, the only other person in this entire train car, I usually hate doing this, obviously, because you're like completely noise polluting everyone, was like doubled over in his seat laughing. And I was like, you want to sit down and listen to this together? And he's like, yeah, this sounds like a must-see TV. And we just were just like goofing off. It was very, very funny. I had a really, really good time with this guy. Yeah, we had tears in our eyes. Oh my was, God. You know, I've, I've never quite seen anything, you know, as, as people who have, been known to be amateurish with uh, digital audio uh, i feel like you know at least we've not done that that's uh you know it was it was very funny <laughs> the best moment i think to me was when they didn't realize they were on and you could just hear them typing and like mumbling about the connection the image in my screen that i'm having right now is like a split screen on one side is the is the meet cute in before sunrise and on the train and on the other side of the split screen is you and this guy just losing your shit laughing about ron DeSantis. Like that's a movie <laughs> i would go see God, do you know what Pride Month like queer memeing just reminded me of was Julie Delpy's cameo in But I'm a Cheerleader. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. Classic. I forgot I Julie Delpy I, was I in it. I remember she's in she's it. She's yeah, so yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. It's like such a wonderful cameo. Was that a 90s movie? You should have yes. done that during our 90s season. Damn it. Yes, we should have. 1999. Absolutely. Adrian, we still have not done My Great White Whale fried green tomatoes it is true so maybe um, we should tell our listeners we tend not to talk about our plans thundering triumphs and our our absolute debacles but like laura and i full disclosure loved doing the movie club we love just talking about movies oh, totally nobody but listened to it but nobody listened to it, it. <laughs> y'all didn't listen to it so you know we're, we're very very leery we kind of want to make it happen again i, I don't I think i've ever had as much fun recording this oh as i like, I don't know, like the Dracula one. Totally. Talented Mr. Ripley. Oh my God. What's the Alan Dershowitz movie we watched? The Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune. Yes, yes, yes. With Sarah and Alex. Yeah, totally. I had the best time. Yeah. It was so good. But you all need to just kind of pull your weight and, and listen the hell out of those. <laughs> 
because otherwise like the numbers don't lie like you know we, we do something about like about like right-wing politics like whoosh like you know <laughs> listens go way up and then we're like here's us talking about uh, now and then and then yeah i know we can't talk what? about transphobia all the time for our own mental health so please like listen to the now and then episodes but what this is just reminding me of is did you ever see that clip of the wendy williams show where she was asking about ciara and she's like getting the audience all hyped up she's like do you guys like ciara this is probably like 2007 audience is all clapping and she goes then why don't you buy her albums <laughs> <laughs> that's right we should get wendy williams to uh, support us on this why yes, aren't you yes. listening to the talented mr ripley episode <laughs> oh with talented terry castle you brought up the season we did on the anti-trans panic and, and questions yes. like that and, and this might be a nice segue into talking a little bit about housekeeping indeed so we're going to probably release this under the indeed. title housekeeping and we might mention so basically one thing you're going to see on our feed is that there are going to be episodes without laura That is not a sign that the feminist presence is going anywhere. It's a sign that basically I really enjoyed doing it. And you were very visibly hitting some kind of limit <laughs> in terms of how bummed out you wanted to be by this show. And yes. so um, we both turned to friend of the pod and oh, cherished friend of the pod person who is impossible, impossible to bum out. It turns out Maura Donegan, who just is game for anything, no matter how depressing our own iron jawed angel, Moira Donegan. Yes. <laughs> and so she will, she will be hosting with me a, a series called embed with the right. It's a kind of a spinoff podcast. And the idea is it's about right-wing ideas about gender and sexuality and the way they keep fucking up our lives because laura made very clear that that would be kind of hell over time that it would kill yeah. me that it yeah. would kill yeah. me yeah. That, that it would kill me that i could not for my own you were health. you were so bummed out by the end of the the series the trans series oh, it felt we, so bad we were crawling by the end of the anti-trans reporting yeah i mean i, I it beat me down a little bit too i have to say it but but you were so... you looked really yeah you, you i was a little green in the gills it was very hard for a highly sensitive person but um Yes, no, I both thought that I would not survive a deep dive into anti-feminism and just thought that Moira brings such a more interesting like depth of research and, and like authentic interest in that subject area than I do. So I could not be happier to see see this band create its first spin-off band, our, our first our first themed side project, you know? It's gonna be it's gonna be very exciting. And so it's gonna drop pr pretty much with this episode, which is very exciting. And it's going to be in our feed initially, and then we're going to move it out just in case people are not. Mm -hmm. The tone is slightly different. The episodes are slightly longer that we've recorded so far. It's a bit more researched and a bit more, a bit wonkier. So I, I don't want to spring it on people who kind of were tuning in for something a little yes. bit different. I also have not, I have not like foreclosed the possibility of perhaps joining you as a guest for an episode or two. Yeah, that's right. You, you were talking that's about right. Mary McCarthy the other day and I got pretty, uh, my, my, my wheels started turning. Yeah. You know? She's, she's a favorite of mine. We have some, we have some really interesting topics on deck. So the first episode we're going to be releasing is just more on me talking about gay marriage, um, 10 years after, after the, the first mm -hmm. set of, of big decisions in 2013, we're going to then talk about Midge Dector, the grandmother of new conservatism uh, with the uh, two hosts of uh, know your enemy a wonderful podcast about the right done by lefties mm -hmm. we're then gonna talk about susan sontag we're gonna talk as we say about mary mccarthy we're really thinking about you know we want to be broad we're gonna obviously do a john didion episode which we never did it's we, true we, we kept circling around her and never quite got there so i'm glad you guys got there maybe i'll join you for a part of i'm that excited one. i think this is 
also how do you do it like it's I think, so I think hard that's why we never John did Didion, the conservative is actually kind of a fun yeah. one and so i think I'm, I'm excited for that sacramento uh, conservative kind of you know thing. like such a specific yeah yeah. 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 Right. yeah 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 right california conservatism yeah so the one issue that i think we're sort of still struggling with is like it's gonna end up being kind of a pretty white conversation in terms of the people we're talking about because the american right tends you know, that way tends out to be <laughs> Yeah. Fun fact. T-I-L. By the way, if you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you have never seen footage of a Republican National Convention. Good for you and your life is blessed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But also, yes. Yeah. So that's definitely a project that's coming up. Um, So exciting. excited for that. But again, it doesn't mean that anything's happening to the feminist present. And I think we're ready to hit back into it. Mommy and daddy aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We're not mad. We're not mad. We love you so much. And I should also, I feel like we should also give the wonderful Moira Donegan some flowers for her new position at the Clayman Institute for Gender Research, right? Yeah. Moira will be the writer in residence or is the writer in residence at Clayman now. She'll be organizing events. She'll be helping us with public facing Mm-hmm. events and with with things sort of for folks on campus so we're going to be really really exciting and some of these are going to be on zoom so people who are not you know in the bay area will be able to attend some of them but unfortunately not all mm-hmm. she will also be gossiping with me and we're so excited to have her in the bay area yes all of this is very exciting and you guys are getting in bed with the right and i pray for you getting in bed with I the pray right for you we have stanford security you know all of these precautions are in place had we said the title before yeah the new the new podcast is called in bed I with think the we right did. in case i haven't couldn't said say that. it couldn't say it enough i'm, I'm just uh, yeah i'm marketing genius <laughs> just a fucking marketing genius here over here and anyway. the shadow of a man who just finished an international book tour for fuck's sake and ch- taught a child right. how to ride a bicycle this week in my witness oh no she fell down she, you saw it. Yeah, we, we, we went runs around the lake. She did it, great. It went okay. Well, well you've taught outing, two children how to ride a bike. How, how, how did she do? She did amazing. A first outing with a child on a bike is not like an outing where the child is going to be riding the bike four miles by the end of it. You know, like. Okay, I guess maybe I had I had outsized and unrealistic expectations. You, Adrian, had outside. That doesn't sound ambitious. Come on. Grand. I Come on. It doesn't sound like you. No, she did great. It was hilarious. I, t- I tiger mom the shit out of that bike. <laughs> Well, for for the listeners' reference, since they can't actually see this, Adrian spent most of the time like physically pushing his daughter on the bike as she kept like instructing him to do that over and over again. Yeah. So yeah, it was an outing. Tur- with, turns like, out that's really really bike. bad for your lower back. It was. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I had it with queers in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I had it with these motherfucking kids on these motherfucking bikes. On these was, motherfucking uh, bikes. Yes, it's true. It's true. It's camp season in San Francisco. The kids are on bikes. Oh, yeah. The kids are at camp. Adrian, you doing any like summer writing? I know you just finished a book tour, but like what's going on in your brain cafe? Yeah, I'm trying to do a couple of things. I'm, I'm becoming really interested in kind of the bigger complex of gender and travel. Ooh. And so I'm currently sitting here writing an article essay really about automobiles and and gender and and what that might mean for the transition to electromobility to like the end of the of the fossil fuel era that sort of thing i'm enjoying that a lot but it's it's very new for me and this question about how like you know masculinity white supremacy and the car are kind of entwined it's been some in different countries mm-hmm. not just in mm-hmm. the u.s mm-hmm. but it's pretty obvious Something that's really interesting to me. That's something I'm working on. And then in the winter, I'll be teaching a class on gender and travel. That's going to be more about like tourism, sort of 1850 to 1950 is what I'm thinking. And I'm, I'm just loving it. It's basically cards on the table. 
when we were all, you know, you may recall that we were all locked in our houses. You know, you and I have been a lot during Faintly, this time. I do yeah, re- yeah, yes, yeah. yes, ringing a bell. Yeah. Well, fun fact about me: I I got really obsessed with uh, travel literature at the time because I couldn't travel, and uh, <laughs> and then I was like, well, and I'm a gender scholar, so fuck it, we're putting these two things together, and it's it, it is actually a lot there, and I'm really enjoying it, but like it's still very experimental. It, it really started just with me, which I don't think any real project of mine ever has with just, I enjoy this literature and I want to read more of it. And I want to think about it deeply. I love that. That, that could not be more relevant to me because I am a woman and a feminist who just bought a Prius recently. And that's right. I love it. I love it. Oh my God. I am spending like a quarter of what I was spending on gas when I was driving a Subaru. I mean, with huh. the Stanford, San Francisco huh. to Stanford commute, like, very interesting very interesting evolution i love this also i want everyone who's not in california to note the beautiful progression from a subaru to there a it Prius. is it's, it's its own coming out it, process yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I recently heard of an accident a friend was driving to meet me and told me she just passed an accident in oakland that was between a subaru and a tesla and i was like that is the bay area in one car crash <laughs> yeah yeah that's right yeah so what about you what are you working on so i've been in this weird phase of actually seeing light at the end of the tunnel nice. of like multiple different projects you know like you you helped me get this wonderful w-2 job at stanford that meant i didn't have to hustle for you know every dollar i was making anymore so i actually got to turn my attention to book projects and i was thinking the other day i'm just at the end of like a huge revision with this novel that's been trying to kill me for like five years and i was like this is the only good part this right now is the only enjoyable part of writing when you're like 90 percent done with like the draft you can see before you and it's sort of clicked into place and you're almost finished like this is the only good part (laughs) all the rest of it is groping in the dark or freaking out that someone's about to read it right like i feel like i'm kind of in this perfect like sensory deprivation bath of like being insulated both from the the tyranny of the blank page and the tyranny of the audience and like i'm about to have to go into a period of like actually sharing the stuff i've been working on scary papers for the first time in a long time and uh, yeah it's terrifying i loved it in my little warm bath of creating and revising and like just doing it myself um i love the part that i can control you know but I'm about to be looking for a literary agent. So that's always fun. And literary agents, you know, call me. Yeah, if you're listening. But uh, if you're listening. <laughs> or And also listen to our movie episodes, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll just keep coming back to that chestnut. But yeah, I am just like rounding off a novel, a craft book, a memoir. Oh my goodness. And maybe also wow. a poetry collection, question mark. Yeah. So some things are, mm. some things are coming into, is nice. into a different season different seasons well and, and i think that that's kind of a nice segue to where we are kind of he- thinking we're gonna head with the podcast i i think that more writers more kind of literary topics i think feminists uh, yeah safe to say feminists will appear again yes i would imagine that, you know the, the feminist president is not going to abandon yes. uh you know one third of that title <laughs> and just be the the present yeah. we, we do like fucking with the present part a little bit more than yeah, with yeah the feminist we're, part, we're, we're yes. more committed to and we're not that committed to the could be a feminist present uh, <laughs> and any feminist present uh, and in the the lying words that are and in the in the, in the words that's of the right yeah on. anyway please go out mary mccarthy <laughs> mary mccarthy i know yes exactly another another gesture beautiful, towards beautiful. our spin-off podcast See, we're, we're in really accepting right. this everyone's yes. gonna have to listen to this thing now killing it marketing geniuses anyway which is also just a way to say that if anyone's listening and and there are 
folks that you really would like to hear us talk to, um, let us know. Yeah. We've been, I mean, one thing I have been doing a lot, I've not been watching a lot of TV or, or, or a lot of movies, but I, I have been reading a ton. Again, out of character there is a, for you. There is a wish list of authors. <laughs> I know, I know. Literature professor yes. reading. What? That's crazy. I've been watching TV and movies like it's my job, even though it's not. So if you want to talk about those, get at us too. But yeah, get at us with topic ideas. If there's books coming out you want to talk about, authors you'd yeah. love to see us talk to, filmmakers, feminists of any stripe. We are easily findable. We are so fine. We are too yeah. findable. But like we love a Twitter I tag know. here and there, even though Twitter is a cage fight built inside a garbage fire built inside a toilet we do still occasionally check our dms and our you know mentions yes yes there are new episodes coming and we can't say too much about them quite yet but should be dropping midsummer i would hope mm -hmm. and it's that's probably optimistic but wherever you think midsummer is you know <laughs> do you know what i was just thinking along with our mommy daddy metaphor i was like are we the kind of podcast that says we love you at the end and i was like no i don't think we are it kind of bothers me when podcasts say no we, we are not we are end. not warm and cuddly yeah it's very important we're we're very important. We, we 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 have affection for you and we believe that you can do your best you know but we're yeah, not going to yeah. build that kind of parasocial relationship with you if you had to encapsulate our podcast in one word would it not be professionalism <laughs> We're here to just like you just cause such serious danger to my whole technical apparatus. I almost spit taked all over everything. That's the first thing I. It's the first thing I think of. Honestly, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, they're, they're proactive, you know, they're paradigm shifting and they're professional. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like plumbers. Like plumbers. Have you seen the Super Mario Bros. movie? I have not. I am uh, boycotting one of the Chris's, whichever one's in it. <laughs> Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I I have two sons under ten, so I have which which honestly excludes me from most theaters at this point. He's probably in everything everywhere. All that's at a once. good yes. It, that's that's a that's a stringent restriction. Yes. No. Well, I, I have two sons under ten, so I've seen it about ninety five times now. It was better than it had good, been. Good. 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 Yes. Anyway, and that's that's how we're leaving you with our quick yeah. review of the Super Mario Bros. movie, <laughs> as we do. Anyway, come come visit us here. Please listen to In Bed with the Right. And, uh, you know, stay tuned to your dials and we'll be back. We don't like to make plans, but at some point you can rely on us to come back. Oh, we'll be back. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, have a good summer. Is that what teachers say? Have a good summer. Yeah. Have an amazing summer. That's what Americans Have an amazing say. summer, kids. Yeah. Yeah. TTYL. And remember, mommy and daddy are not mad. Mommy and daddy are not mad. We love you very much. Professional. Thank you.